start a series that's going into the several weeks. And you know how I am about series. I'm not going to tell you how many weeks I'm going to preach because the Lord just kind of lets things go and, and, and leads me in, in directions with that. And so uh, I want to start a series this uh, this week and continue it on for several weeks coming. I know that every time the new year comes, I immediately start thinking about Easter because I get excited about the resurrection. But I got to be honest with you, I get excited about Easter because I get to think about Pentecost coming just a little bit after that. I don't know if there's anybody else Pentecostal in the house, but I want to preach about Pentecost just about every every Sunday. So if I had my way, that's what we would be preaching about because it was the power of God that was brought down unto us. Amen. To be able to live this life that we live, to be able to do the things that we do. And so the series that I'm starting this week is going to be on empowerment, empowering you, the empowered lifestyle. Uh, how many of all would like some power in your life? Maybe you've got a little bit power. Maybe you've got just some some Holy Ghost power, but you would like to be empowered. And I just I titled it empowered. It's a lifestyle because I'm tired of seeing Christians that go through this life and they get a little season of power. They get a little season of, of being high, a little bit of season of getting touched by God. They get some zeal under their belt. And then before you know it, something comes and slaps them down. And the next thing you know, the one who was high is now low. And you, you come in one week and you're just praising God and your arms are flailing and the next week you're like where can I find the altar will somebody please come and talk to me will somebody please come and love on me I, I'm hurting so badly and I, I you know I just want us to begin to live an empowered life charged by the Holy Ghost doing what God has called us to do 24 7 you've heard me preach last year early in the year and I don't know why I got off of it the way I, I did but I, veer, I veered away from it I wish I had never had but we were talking about living in the overflow and how out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. It's not out of the heart the mouth speaks. It's out of the abundance of the heart. It's what's overflowing out of your heart that your mouth begins to speak. And so we need to live in a lifestyle of overflow. And many of you can remember me bringing the pitchers of water and having the vessels, the pottery vessels, and beginning to fill them up and saying, what is full? And we would fill it up about three quarters of the way and say, is that full? And to some people, that's full. And then we got it all the way up to the brim and we said, is that full? And everybody was like, yeah, that's pretty full and it won't you know it won't hold another drop and and the Lord spoke to me and said it's not full until it's overflowing and so I began to pour that water out and it went all over the floor and what happens is we get so full of the Holy Ghost then all of a sudden what's inside of us starts to bubble out pour out and all of our atmosphere around us everybody winds up being ankle deep in the Holy Ghost that we're carrying around amen in the Holy Ghost that we are empowered by. I thought I had a water here. I was going for something. There it is. Um, I, and, and so I, I just believe that we should be able to live an empowered life throughout all of our weeks so that when we return together on Sunday mornings, that we don't have to maybe recharge the battery, but we come in with a, with a type of expectation, looking for what miracles, signs, and wonders God is going to bring forth because we have a testimony of what he's done in our lives this week. I can think of every time I've been in a, in a, in a time or a season of revival that I don't go through my week just getting beat up on. I go through my week getting uh, more empowered by God, living the scripture, using the scripture to, to, to my advantage and to the kingdom's advantage, and going forth and knocking demons out and kicking devils out 
and doing, you know, doing the will of the Father. And the, the tragedy is that we don't always live in that place. And so uh, that, that's pretty much enough commercial for what I'm getting ready to talk about. For several weeks, I'm going to be talking about empowerment, being empowered by the Holy Ghost. Do you know that we, first of all, I've got to ask a question. You do know we're in a Pentecostal church, right? We're Pentecostal. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe, we believe in the evidence of speaking in tongues. I love what Dr. Hill said this morning when he was talking about our, our, our declaration of our faith. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We believe in the Trinity. We believe in the, that, the, that God sent the Holy Ghost and that the evidence of that is speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance. Amen. And I still believe in those things. And it's those things that cause us to be empowered because God said to the disciples, I haven't even started my message yet, but God said to the disciples when he was ascending up into heaven, he said, tarry in Jerusalem for not many days hence. I'm going to send one with you. I must go away so that he could come. I'm sending you the Holy Ghost. I'm sending you the comforter. He said, don't go out and do ministry. Don't go out and testify of what you've seen. Don't go out and tell them the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't go out and start making other disciples just yet. He had given them the great commission, but he said, don't do that. First thing, first order of business is you must go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power. He said there's a there's something important about our lives. If listen, if God said it, if Jesus said it, how many of y'all know he's the fundamental piece of our doctrine? Jesus is the at the root and center of everything that we do. And so if Jesus, if it's written in red, then we ought to be paying attention to it. Somebody say amen. And so Jesus told his disciples, don't do any. I know I've given you instruction. I know I've told you go out in the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. I know I've told you to go forth and make disciples. I, told, I know I told you about all these things that I want you to do. But he said, the first thing that I need you to do is go wait until you be endued with power. Why? Because there's something that we need that we don't have on our own, and that is power. Do you know that we are powerless in and of ourselves? I, 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 I've, I've, I've quoted this a couple times in, in different sermons, but uh, I, and I've lost his name all of a sudden, but the, the large mega church that's over in, um, in uh, South Korea, I believe that his name is Cho, Pro Professor Cho. Uh, and, no, just Professor Cho, Ch Chow or Cho, and he's the, he's the doctor, uh, pastor of this church that runs over a million people in Korea. And he came to America, and he, and, and he was looking around. He did this trip of America, and, he's, and somebody asked him, they said, what was the most, uh, what was, what was the, the, the best thing that you noticed about the church in America? And he said, I'm amazed at what the church in America can do outside the power of God. I'm amazed at what I've seen the church in America be able to accomplish outside the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what he said. It was like a backdoor compliment. It came, you know, a compliment that came along with a slap of rebuke. 
He was saying, I'm amazed at what the church in America has been able to do without worrying about the power of God. Jesus said, the, my power is what you need before you can do anything. Peter denied him three times, but yet on the day of Pentecost, when Pentecost had come, then they he looked up and he stood boldly. All of a sudden, this one who denied Christ was the one who said, ye, ye men of Judea and all of Samaria, we're not drunk as you suppose, being that it's only the third hour of the day, but we are filled with what the, what the prophet Joel prophesied that in the last days that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh and the sons and daughters shall prophesy. He stood up and began to boldly proclaim. And as you look through the book of Acts, and I hope I'm not stomping on some message that I got coming down the road, but if you look through the book of Acts, everything that we everything that the disciples did, every time it mentions Peter, every time it mentions about uh, the Holy Ghost coming upon him, then all of a sudden he stood up and boldly declared something. What is the Holy Ghost really? And if I could put it into the simplest terms, the Holy Ghost is the boldness and power you need to perform the ministry. We were talking the other day in our in our uh, I'm going to get to my message here in a minute. We were talking today uh, the other day in our uh, membership class about what is the Holy Ghost and how to receive the Holy Ghost and why we believe in the Holy Ghost and just some very simple questions that I feel like the church skips over right now because we think we're Pentecostal and everybody ought to be Pentecostal and, and they just should know what it's all about and why we do what we do and everything. And the truth is many of us don't know why we do what we do. But the reality is that when you ask the question, why should I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Do I need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? Well, no, you don't. You don't need the baptism of the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. You need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven because he's the one who convicts and draws you to God. But you don't need the baptism of the Holy Ghost in order to make it to heaven, to be in communion with God. Uh, why, why do I need the Holy Ghost? And, and I always tell it like this. I don't know where I heard it from. I'm not trying to steal anybody's uh, cliches or whatever. But I heard it said like this, and I feel like it's the best way to describe the Holy Ghost. He is the equipment for ministry. He is what you need to do ministry. And if you don't have a life of ministry in mind, don't wonder why you sit there and pray for God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And he never does. Many people come to the altar and they think, man, I'm doing it wrong. And I know you've got the, you know, you've got the, the, the great saint of God up there saying, let it, let it go, let it go, let it go. And then the other one's saying, let him in, let him in, let him in. And the other one's saying, let him out, let him out. And, you know, and I, I get that and it gets confusing and we don't receive sometimes in the, in the altars. But the reality is sometimes we don't receive because we don't have the right intent and purpose in our heart, which is that, God, if you fill me with the Holy Ghost, I'm going to go out with power and be a minister of your gospel. It's awful quiet over here this morning. Could it be because we're not fulfilling the plan of God in our lives right now? Could it be because, could it be, I'm just going to go ahead and get on your toes this morning. Could it be because, you know, we've been filled with this power, but we haven't been using it? We've been filled with the power of God. He's been so gracious to pour out his spirit upon us. Some of us have the gift of tongues. Some of us have the gift of, of messages in tongues or interpretations or prophecy or word of knowledge or word of wisdom. And we've got these spiritual gifts, but we're, they're just remaining dormant. We use them only within our little circle or only when it's convenient for us. And we're not out there doing what God has called us to do. 
And then you need to think about it this morning. I'm going to get into my message so I don't get myself in trouble. Turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29. We could quote this without actually going there this morning. Um, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29. We're going to be in reading right at verse number 11. How many of you all know this scripture? Bible says in the book of Jeremiah chapter 29 verse number 11 I'm going to read first from the King James it says for I know the thoughts that I think toward you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end verse number 12 says this then ye shall call upon me and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart I want to turn uh, just real quickly on the screen to the NIV version. My wife's jaw is going to hit the ground because I never read from the NIV. If you read from the NIV, I will pray for you. I'm just kidding. You can read You can read whatever you want to. I mean, it may not be anointed, but you can read whatever you want to. Um, I'm not going to beat you up over it. Um, I will pray for you. <laughs> I, I have done the research on the on the Greek uh, or, or I'm sorry, on the on the Hebrew of Jeremiah to find out what is the best translation for what God is saying in these passage, passages. And, and it pains me to say that the NIV is probably the closest in translation to what the actual writer was trying to put there. Because the, the, the word directly interpreted is, I know the thoughts, and that word is translated thought, but it's a thought of, it's a future thought. And so it really is a plan, and so this is really the best interpretation of it. In verse number 11, it reads like this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I like what the King James says in that it says there's an expected end, but in uh, the, the NIV translates that as hope in a future. But God says, I have expectation for you. You see, that's another parallel to the fact to the fact that instead of just thoughts, he means plans because there's an expected end. There's a plan that is in place. And so just part of this empowerment series that I want to talk about this morning for a few minutes is to, is to be empowered by the plan of God, to be empowered with his plan, to know that you are walking in his plan, his perfect plan for your life, to know that that we are doing exactly what God wants us to do and that his plan is forever settled for us. And so um, let, let's pray real quick. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jeremiah 29, 11. We know that you have plans for us, God, plans of a hope and a future, of an expected end. And God, we pray today that there would be an anointing over my word. God, that every word that proceeds out of my mouth is carried by the anointing, by the Holy Ghost, Lord. Penetrate our hearts today. Let us hear what you would say to us and, and apply it to our hearts, God. Let Open the eyes of our understanding to your word. Lord, let us be forever changed from being in the presence of your word. God, faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. And so I pray that you would increase faith today in all of your people. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. 
an amen. I want you to be empowered by his plan. We're talking about an empowered lifestyle, how to be empowered. First way that you have to be empowered or the only way that you can become empowered. We know I was talking about the Holy Ghost and 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 if God will allow me, I'm going to I'm going to preach more about the Holy Ghost in coming days because I'm a lover of the Holy Ghost. I just love the way that everything there is about the things of the spirit. I just love that. And you know what? I feel like in today's society, that's something that's being put by the wayside. And you know, I don't do it in spite. I just love the Holy Ghost. And I want to preach about it as much as I can and tell the world about this power. But there's something that you must know if you're going to be empowered by God. It's that you have to be empowered first in the plan of God. You have to have a plan if you are ever going to succeed. We were talking with Jenna last night about some ministry that's coming down the road. And and I said, you know, you can you can do all right if you'll just go out there and be available. You know, most people just need you to be available and just open a door for them to be able to come in and you can create a line of communication and be a ministry. Together you can minister to one another. But she said, listen, I need a plan or it's going to fail. And there was a lot of truth in what she was saying because many times we want to succeed at something, but we want to do it without putting together first a plan to succeed. I want to tell you today that this church, I want this church to grow and to be more value, more more valuable to the community and be more valuable in the economy of the kingdom. I want to do more for the kingdom and, and see people, see the lost one and see them saved and see people baptized with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in tongues and living an empowered life. But I can't do that if I don't first have a plan that is for that, that a plan that has an expected end like God was saying in his word. I got to have an expectation in order for something to succeed. If there is no expectation, then there is no room for success. We've got to have an expectation before we can ever have success. And so in order to have expectation, we've got to have first a plan. And, you know, I think about as as we're on the first Sunday of this new year, we've all made resolutions and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. You know what a resolution really is? Well, it's a promise. It's a it's a try. It's a good old you know college try at doing something. But I'm telling you that if you're going to succeed in any resolution that you make, then you must succeed with a plan. Many times, you know, the, the thing is, many times our plans don't line up with God's plan. You know, and that that is the real key to the major problem in our life is that many times we have a plan and God has a plan and they're not the same plan. See, God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, for I know the plans that I have for you. He said two things in that statement. There's one thing that we know. He said, I know, which means sometimes we don't know. It's inherent by the fact that he said, I know the plans I have, that sometimes you don't know the plans I have. Sometimes it's hidden from you the plans that God has for your life. If God would have told me uh, when I was when I was 17 years old living in the world that I was going to be one day behind a pulpit preaching the gospel, 
I would have said, no, no, no. And I would have ran away and ran even farther from God. And so he he knew the plans that he had, but he couldn't reveal them to me. And so there was there's that piece of that statement. I know the plans that I have for you. But there's another part of that. He said, I know the plans that I have for you. And so there's something powerful in the fact that God has a plan for your life. And so many times we want our plan to be God's plan or we want his plan to line up with our plan. I have I have joked about it before saying, God, if it's your will, but if it's not your will, just go ahead and change your will to be my will. You know, because there's something that I want. Or something that I desire, and it's you know, I and I'm surely joking, but I find, but but many times we live in that state of affairs where we're saying, God, I I, I want you to do things in my life, but I need you to do them in my economy. I need you to do them in the way that I want you to do them. I need you to provide, God. You said, I, I know that you promised me that you were going to be my provider in your word, and so God, I'm going to need you to provide for me this new sports car because I, you know, I, it's my will, and it, you said it in your word. So it's got to be somewhere close to your will. And if your will is to get me a new vehicle, why can't it be a sports car? So God, just go ahead and line up with what I'm saying. Then we sometimes try to manipulate the word. Well, there's power in my tongue. And so then if I just say it enough, then I'm going to receive. I'm going to name it and claim it. I'm going to get it. You know, I'm going to blab it and grab it. You know, we got all the cliches. I'm going to get it. I'm going to say it enough that I'm going to get it. When the reality is, if that doesn't line up with God's plan for your life, you, you're just spitting in the wind. You're just declaring something. Matter of fact, what will happen is, if there is creative power in your tongue, which I believe by the Bible that there is, you might wind up with that thing and be completely out of the plan of God for your life. You might end up with your sports car that you get in a wreck in and it winds up killing you. You may get exactly what you asked for and it be completely outside the will of God. But we've got to ask ourselves, do our plans line up with God's plan? Psalms chapter 37, verse number four, one of my favorite scriptures. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And I have pondered that scripture so many times. That scripture is so powerful to me. It's so short and yet it's so powerful to me because there was something there. God gave me revelation in that scripture. He said, if you will delight yourself in me, and he gave me this a few years ago. He said, if you'll delight yourself in me, I will give you your desires. You see, we think that if I will delight myself in God, then my laundry list of things that I want, God will give me because that's the desires of my heart. But that's not really how I interpret what the scripture says. How I interpret what the scripture says is if you will delight yourself in God, then he will change your desires to be his desires. You see, we think it, that word give, the verb give there, means that he will make manifest the things that are in your heart. He will, If you want a sports car, he brings you a sports car. If you want this or that and it's your desire, then he'll bring that to you. If, you know, if you want this fancy whatever, then if I delight myself in God and do whatever this, 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 and this, then he's going to give me those things. No, it's if you delight yourself in him, then all of a sudden he will, he will change your mind. And he will impute into you new desires. What does that mean? It lines up perfectly with this scripture in that he says, I know the plans that I have for you. And if we will delight ourselves in him, then all of a sudden his plan will become our desires. 
because he will give us the desires of our heart. And so then our desire will line up with his plan. And so the question that I have to ask you is, one, is your plans been failing lately? Have you felt like, man, I am a bit of a failure? I think that any one of us can at least look back in the not so distant past and say, man, I have felt like a failure. I have felt like I did not succeed at something that I needed to do, something that was important in, in, the, in, in the kingdom, something that was important in my life. I just failed. You know, we use the term nowadays, it was an epic fail. I, I have a lot of those times in my life when I'm just like, epic fail. It wasn't even close. I didn't even, I, I missed the mark by a long shot. But you have to ask yourself in those times, as you reflect back on that, I'm not, I don't want to name, call out your business, but each and every one of us can think back in even 2017 and think of a thing that we failed at. And I need you to ask yourself this. If I failed at it, let me ask you this. Are your desires from God? Was that plan from God? Were your desires in your mind that you had planned for from God and then the second part of that question is, if not, have you delighted yourself in him? Because if our plans aren't lining up with his plans, then our desires aren't lining up with his desires. That takes us back to the first part of the verse that says, delight yourself in the Lord. And I think, Brother Larry, that our church, and not just, and, and I'm not picking on our church, the church, has lost touch with delighting ourselves in the Lord. We've got time to delight ourselves in every other aspect. We can delight ourselves in entertainment. We can delight ourselves in school and the and all the things going on. We can delight ourselves in programs. We can delight ourselves in 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 whatever our extracurricular activities are. We can delight ourselves in our friendships. We can delight ourselves in our marriage. We can delight ourselves in our wife, or we can delight ourselves in our husband. We can delight ourselves in, in the restaurant. We can delight ourselves with sweets. We can delight ourselves with all these things. But when was the last time that we just delighted ourselves in the Lord? When was the last time, like my dad was talking about when he was testifying, that God just kind of put a spirit of laughter on you and you begin to delight yourself in what he was doing in your life? When you felt like, man, things don't have to go exactly right, but I'm delighted to know that I'm God's and he's mine. And I'm delighted in the fact that he saved me. And I'm delighted in the fact that come hell or high water, I know that I'm going to an eternal resting place with him in the heavenlies and that no man can pull me out of his hand. I'm delighted in him. I'm delighted in who he is. When's the last time that you delighted yourself in the Lord? When things were coming against you, you can simply delight yourself in the Lord. And what will happen out of you doing that, and I'm hearing the Holy Ghost say this to me right now, is what will happen is if you will stop what you're doing and just begin to delight yourself in the Lord, all of a sudden alignment begins to take place again. Because when you align yourself or you delight yourself in God, he aligns you back up with this plan again, and you find yourself in this place where it's like, I don't know what I was doing over there in left field, but when I began to delight myself in God through praise and through worship or whatever the, 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 the means is by which you go to God and delight yourself in him when you do that all of a sudden you find yourself straightening yourself back up and finding yourself on the right path again doing the plan and the will of God if we will delight ourselves in him he will give us the desires of our heart your plan must be his plan if we're going to have an, a plan of empowerment then our plan has to be his plan 
listen, uh, you know, I, uh, we get it so wrong nowadays, and, and, and I'm just going to, I'm picking on everybody today. I'm picking on society quite a bit today. But we live in a, de- a, a democracy society where if we don't like it, then we just state our case, and then we, we get squeaky enough that eventually, eventually they'll make some bill or resolution, and then everybody can go out and vote on it. And it doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. It's just whatever the perception of the hour is, and then we'll change uh, all of our, uh, we'll change our laws and everything else to keep up with the society in which we live in. And, you know, the, the crazy thing about it is God doesn't work that way. You know, we I, I was talking uh, several weeks ago about how we don't understand uh, really the God's kingship and lordship because we don't understand monarchy. We only understand democracy. We understand that if we don't like it, we have a chance to change it. And even if we can't change it, we can sure gripe about it. But the reality is God is a monarchy. God is the king of kings and lord of lords. And what he says goes. And I heard a preacher say this, that we have, we, there's a war coming. And there's a man that's coming back on, on a heavenly steed. And he's going to have fire in his eyes. And he's going to have a sharp two-edged sword in his mouth. And he's coming back to wage war on the heathen. He's coming back to wage war on anyone who is not covered by the atonement of his blood. And he's coming back. But he said, you can make terms of peace with this coming king. You can make terms of peace, but they're not your terms of peace. They're his terms of peace. He's going to, he, listen, he tells you the way that it is. And I need you to understand when he has a plan for you, then it is the only plan that can work for your life. It's the only plan that will take you to the place of fulfillment. So many people out throughout the world, they're looking for the meaning of life. I remember when I was a senior in high school, I just wanted to know what the meaning of life was. What was, what was I going to go do? I was turning the page, going from childhood to adulthood and saying, what is the meaning? of life and I didn't know it then but I know it now that the meaning of life fulfilled in your life is to find God's perfect plan for you and walk in that plan whatever it is wherever he takes you to know that his plan is perfect and you're walking in it all of a sudden you become empowered by his plan our plan has to be his plan because his plan is perfect. Numbers 23, verse number 19. I want to read it from the screen. Numbers 23, verse number 19. And it says, says it like this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it or has he said it and will he not perform it or will he not do it? Or is he spoken and will he not make it good? And verse number 20 says, behold, I have received a command to bless and he has blessed and I I cannot reverse it. Listen, I'm telling you that God's plan for you is forever settled. God has never made a plan that he needed to go back on. I have preached it like this before. God does, God's got your plan so figured out that he doesn't get up to the line of scrimmage. Brother Everett, you'll like this. He doesn't get up to the line of scrimmage and get up there and look at what the enemy's doing, look at what the other team's doing and say, hold on, wait a minute, I got to call an audible. He doesn't. God doesn't call audible. He walks up to that saying, I know what he's going to do. I know what he's going to do. He's going to come and try and sack, but it doesn't matter because my plan's perfect. The play that I have in my playbook for you, it works whether or not the enemy's against you. It doesn't matter if he's rushing all of them. I'm still going to be able to throw the Hail Mary and make it count. He's still going to
going to be able to perform the touchdown. Why? Because his plan is perfect. It's never flawed. He did not make a mistake when he made a plan for your life. He said, I know the plans that I have for you, and they're perfect plans. There is no need for an audible for God. I'm telling you, he is right 100% of the time. He would only be wrong if he thought he was wrong one time. And then he doesn't do that, so now we know he's right 100% of the time. There is no need for an audible with God. His plan is perfect. His plan is perfect. And just, I'm going to throw this in there. And just every once in a while, when the enemy thinks that he's messed up God's plan, and God, he's like, oh, yeah, you thought you were going to run that play, and you got up to the line of scrimmage, and God didn't call an audible for you, and we wound up uh, sacking you. Then all of a sudden, God says, nope, here comes out the yellow flag. I'm going to throw a challenge flag. And all of a sudden, that yellow flag is covered by the blood. And he said, you thought you sacked him, but I, I threw out the challenge flag. And so that, that doesn't matter anymore because I'm challenging. Challenging that with the blood of Jesus. And so you have no way to lose in God's economy. He said, my plans are perfect for you. Amen. Amen. I get excited about that. He's not a man that he should lie. Men will fail you every time. I promise you, if you look to this pastor and you put too much pressure upon me, I will fail you. If you put too much clout in me, I will fail you. It's not because I want to fail you. I feel like I have the heart of God in that I don't want to fail his people. And I hold hold this office and this desk very sacred. And I, I hold myself accountable to God. But I will inevitably fail if you put your faith in me. I promise you, I will fail you. There are things about my life that I guarantee you if you knew them you would not like and you would lose some of that faith that you may have in me but I'm telling you today that God is not a man that he would lie he's not he's not the son of man that he needs to repent what does the word repent there mean it means change your mind repenting means simply to change your mind or change your mindset if you're repenting of a sin you're changing your mindset about that sin but God said listen when it comes to blessing I don't need to repent because it's my will that my people would have life and have it more abundantly. I'm telling you, he doesn't need to repent of what he said over your life. And I like what the prophet said. See, this was the prophet speaking when he said he has put forth a command to bless and he has blessed and I cannot reverse it. What that tells me today is that no one, including your boss, can reverse the blessing off of your life. If you are walking in the plan of God for your life, and I'm closing with this, If you are walking in the plan of God for your life, then listen, your boss, and no matter what he says, I'm going to fire you, I'm going to lay you off, I'm going to cut your pay, no matter what it is, he cannot pull you away from the plan. If God said that he put out a proclamation, put that verse number 20 up there. If he put out a proclamation that said that I have blessed, God, God, he said, behold, I received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. This was when a king was trying to get a false prophet or a prophet to prophesy against the people of Israel and he looked at him and he said listen if he put out a blessing there's no way I can curse what God has blessed there's no way that I can curse it if he has blessed it then I've got to bless it I have a command to bless and he has blessed
blessed it, and I cannot reverse it. Not only can your boss not reverse it, your enemy can't reverse it. No matter what they want to do to you, no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that you win. Amen? I want you to know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. It's the heritage of the saints. Amen? And their righteousness is unto God. And I'm telling you that your enemy cannot stop you. They cannot reverse the plan of God that's on your life. If your plan lines up with God's plan, then nothing can stop it. Your friends, uh, you might have friends like Job, and they can't stop it. And with friends like that, who needs enemies anyway? But there are friends in your life who are jealous of what God does for you, and they'll try and stop what God is doing in your life, but they cannot reverse it. When God said, I'm not going to repent of my blessing in your life. I'm telling you, Brother Rich, no matter what you are going through in your job or whatever you're facing, if God has said, I'm blessing you, then no matter what, you are blessed. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter what comes your way. It doesn't matter. Uh, your co-worker may try to bring you down. They may see you coming along and being a better Christian than you've ever been, and all of a sudden your language is changing and your talk's changing, and they might try to bring you down. But God said, if I called you blessed, then you are blessed. There's nothing that can reverse it. Listen, a debt collector may try to steal your joy. I don't know who I'm talking to. I have lived in this place where you got more month than money, and all of a sudden the debts are coming down on you, and they're trying to steal away the perfect plan that God has in your life. But he said, if I have blessed it, I, there's been a command to bless, and it cannot be reversed. I'm telling you, the debt collector can't reverse it. Your family that comes against you can't reverse it. I'm telling you, if God promised you that your sons and daughters shall be saved, then they're going to be saved. They don't have to like it. They don't have to They don't have to want it. If you keep on praying and he pours out a blessing and he makes a promise to you, then his promises are yes and amen. They are forever settled in the heavens. I'm telling you right now that your family can't stop it. Demons in hell can't stop it. Principalities can't stop it. Powers can't stop it. Rulers of the darkness of this age can't stop it. Spiritual wickedness in heavenly places can't stop it. And Satan himself cannot reverse the plan of blessing that God has for your life. Somebody give him praise. I'm talking about a plan of empowerment. Every single one of us has a plan. You can come to the piano. Every single one of us has a plan. Uh, for our life and and we try to make our own plans and listen we can have the best laid plans but if they don't line up with what God says then they are all for nothing they are all moot they are all void they are all null and void they mean nothing but if we will line up with the plan of God what does that mean it means you know sometimes that we walk it out he said in his word the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered or ordained of the Lord they're ordained. And so many times I find myself, I'm just going to testify of myself today. Many times on this plan that God, you know, he's got a plan. He said, I know the plans. You know what? Guess, guess what? Pastor Paul doesn't know the whole plan. I see through a glass darkly. I know just pieces of the plan. And I walk. And I walk it out. And I say, God, I heard a preacher say it like this. He's got me firmly planted in midair. Every time I step, I look out, and he brings up a stone for me to be firmly planted securely on his rock. I take another step. I don't see it. He's a lamp under my feet, thank God. But as I begin to step, there's my next step. I'm in his 
plan. Next, you know, and then before we know it, we, here's the thing I love about God and his plan and his grace is that we're walking and sometimes we get, okay, I'm used to walking, now I'm going to, and he has a little slight detour he wants us, but we keep on going. He said, my grace is enough. My grace is enough. There's somebody in the room today that you said, you know what? I'm afraid to move because I want to be in his plan. I want to be in his, I want to be right where he wants me to be. And so I'm not moving until I hear from God. And I, I, I feel like the Lord today is saying to you, your footsteps are ordered. Just walk. Don't run. Don't get ahead of me. But feel me out. Walk. Make some strides toward that thing that you that you know is his plan for your life. Make some strides toward it. Take a walk. Trust in faith. And I'm telling you, your God loves you too much to let you get off path and just leave you there. If you're genuinely caring about staying in the plan of God, but you're saying, God, I'm not going to stand still. The only time I'm going to stand still is when you tell me to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. To stand still and know that you are God. I'll stand still for those reasons. Stand still in your presence. But God, when it comes to the ministry, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. Trust him to work out his plan. Don't get into the preconceived notion that you've got God figured out. Every time I think I've got him figured out, he's like, no. And he didn't, listen, I already I already told you he doesn't call audibles. He didn't change his plan just to say, ha, 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 looky there, Paul, you missed it. His plan is, is, is here, and it's there, and it moves because he needs his sheep to listen and know his voice. He's not going to let you just have this straight beeline to the goal. He wants you to listen. He wants you to walk in his perfect plan. Will you stand with me to your feet in the house of the Lord this morning? In the days coming, I pray that we become more empowered than we've ever been before. If there's one thing that I want for Awakening Church of God in 2018, it's that I want us to walk around as an empowered people. Not not some false lip service. Listen, not the new way, not, not just a new fad or a new trend. I'm talking about in love with Jesus and know it. In love with God and trusting in his plan for me. If his plan takes me here, I'm going to go there. If his, if his plan takes me to another job, I'm going to go in that plan. If his plan takes me to another church, I'm going to go to that plan. If his plan takes me to another country, then I'm going to be a part of that plan. But I'm just going to walk it out. And I'm going to be secure in who he is and secure in who I am in him. That's the first step to empowerment. I see, I see too much of the Pentecostal church empowered by the Holy Ghost and have no plan of what to do with it. No, no vision of what to do. We could pray today if we could have had a Holy Ghost service and had everybody come up and pray for every, everybody get filled and refilled and baptized in the Holy Ghost and we all speak in tongues and 10,000 tongues go forth and then we leave this place without a plan without purpose and every tongue that we've spoken was for nothing but we
we can leave empowered with a plan of action. If it's his plan. If our plan matches his plan, then it's power. Then it's empowered. He will provide. He will, he will mark your footsteps. He will ordain where you should go. 2018, everybody makes resolutions. I want you to re resolve from the first week on that you will make your plan line up with God's plan. Oh, it's a broad statement. Find God's plan. How? Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desire of your heart. So how do we find this plan? If you're going to resolve with me today to make that, to make your plan line up with his plan, raise your hand right now. How do we do it? We delight ourselves in him. We just delight ourselves in God. We just, listen, what does that mean? For many of you, I'm telling you what it means is that you break through that praise barrier that you, that, that's been hindering you. I don't know. I, listen, I know that sometimes the music isn't to par and we're praying for God to provide and, you know, and all those things. But it doesn't take music for you to touch the throne room. It doesn't take an instrument for you to touch the throne room of grace. But many of us will delight ourselves in the Lord in praise. But your praise has been broken down. The enemy knows if he can stop your praise, he can stop your power. So for many of us, it's praise. For, for others, we need to delight ourselves in the Lord and finding out who he is. So many Christians don't know who God is because they don't know what his word says. So there's so many ways that we can delight ourselves in the Lord. But if we'll make a commitment to line our plan up with his, to walk it out, just walk it, I'm just walking this thing out one step at a time. I'm not running, I'm not trying to get ahead of God. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not bulldozing. I'm gonna walk it out. And if I miss a step, I'm gonna pray for grace and pray for his alignment to line me back up. Amen. Amen. Raise your hands to the heavens right now. If you raised your hand and said, I want to be in his plan, 